You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast on this Friday the 13th. It is Friday, July 13th, 2018, and I am your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it on either iTunes or Spotify, and leave the show a good review in iTunes if you do enjoy it. It's been a while since we chatted. Of course, we're in the summer, so we are not producing many shows. Hope you had a great 4th of July. Hope you travel safely if you still have a vacation in front of you. We asked for some questions for a mailbag show from the comment section of gangreennation.com. We got plenty, so on today's show, we'll try to get through as many of them as we can as we check in just a few weeks from the start of training camp when we'll be up and running again. We'll get back to our five-day-a-week schedule that we keep for most of the year. But let's jump into the questions we received. Our first question pertains to Mike McCagnin's hesitancy to cut his own draft picks, and that's something that's been kind of an ongoing theme with the Jets. The question is, do McCagnin and Bowles hold on to the draft picks to make themselves appear as though they have a plan? I mean, I think there's a reason that they hold on to their draft picks. I don't think it's nefarious, though. See, I feel like that's kind of like... I think put framing it that way kind of suggests there's some sort of scheme just to throw everybody off the scent. I think what they're doing is they're showing faith in their draft picks long term because when you're keeping a player, you're doing it for one of two reasons. And the reason most people focus on is they're one of the best players you got. You know, the, of the players in training camp, this is one of the best 53, so you'll, you'll keep him. That's the one people focus on. But when you get to the back of the roster, it's not always about today, especially guys who are more developmental players. It's who do I like in the long term? You know, who do I think has the best chance of becoming a be- good player long term? Even if he's not better than one of his competitors today, I think this guy has a ch- has better chance of becoming a player two, three years from now with some development. So I think that's that's what guides the Jets, because those players, near, especially the ones near the back of the roster, are probably not going to make much of an impact this year right now. So you're looking more long term. And I think the way the Jets are viewing it is, well, there's a reason we drafted these guys is because we think that long term they're going to be better players. So, you know, I think it's definitely a conscious effort, but I think they kind of view it from the perspective that this is the reason we drafted this guy is we think he's going to be a better player long-term than, you know, this guy who might be better this, you know, this other guy might be better today, but the guy we drafted, the reason we drafted him is he's going to be better long-term. You know, he's got a better shot of becoming a good player. So I think, I think that's what kind of guides their thought process more than the idea that they're pretending to have a plan. Next question um, deals with the AFC East. Who will, who will be the second best team in the AFC East? Number one is clear. But it gets interesting past that since you have two rebuilding teams and then, and then the Dolphins. Yes, obviously the number one team is obvious. It'll be the Jets. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. I would love for that to happen. I think we all know New England's probably the best team in this division. And, you know, it's tough to say. I think I think it's it wouldn't surprise me if any of the other three teams finished in second place. But what I will say is this, um, and this is, you know, I think it's kind of a toss up as to which of the other three teams will finish in second place. But here's what I'll say is I think the Jets have a higher ceiling than Buffalo or Miami, where I'm not sure I I see a scenario where Buffalo has a good year or Miami has a good year. There's a path, and I don't know that it's going to happen. If you're asking me right now, and I hate to say it, I think the Jets are probably not going to have a great year this year, but that's okay because this year is about developing Sam Darnold. But there is a pathway for the Jets to have a very successful season, to be a good team this year. And a lot of that depends on Darnold. I mean, there's the scenario where Teddy Bridgewater goes in and plays and you know kind of picks up where he left off and kind of grows 
from when he last played. But I think the, the, the scenario where the Jets could actually become become a pretty good team would be if Darnold steps into the lineup, takes control of the huddle right away, and runs with it. And you've seen that in recent years in the NFL. It's not unusual to have a rookie quarterback go out there and play a great season and lift his team up. That's you know that's the way it is with the quarterback. Look, see, everybody, I think, whenever a, whenever a team comes onto the scene because of a quarterback, people always project it. People are, people are never ready for it. They always think it's going to be a one year later than it actually is because they underestimate how important the quarterback is. If the quarterback goes in and lifts the team on his back, you could have a good year. You you could have a you could come out of nowhere and surprise some people. So I think that. Of the three teams, I don't know who's going to finish second, but I think the Jets have the highest ceiling, and it's based on the quarterback situation where you know you have the, the blue-chip prospect in Sam Darnold. Now, in Buffalo, you have Josh Allen, but I think most people would acknowledge that, and I'm not a guy who hated Josh Allen. You know, There are lots of people who thought Josh Allen was a total scrub, no business being drafted high, and I'll be honest, I would not have felt great about drafting him in the top 10 because I think there are questions there, and the questions come to his development. You know, he's not a guy who's probably going to be able to step in day one and play. He's going to be a guy who, if he succeeds in the NFL, my guess is just based on what I saw in college, he's going to need some time. Whereas Darnold is a guy, look, I'm not guaranteeing you he's going to go in day one and play well, but I think it's a possibility. I think it's a scenario that you have to acknowledge is plausible. So I think that's your scenario. And that's why I think, you know, if you're asking me, I'll, and I'll sound like a homer, I'll probably pick the Jets, but it's based on the ceiling there. It's when you have a quarterback, and this is something the Jets have not had in a very long time, but when you have a quarterback, you actually have a shot in this league. And the Jets have a court, Jets, you know, you hope they have a quarterback, which means they have a shot. Next question. What would be your ideal location if the Jets were to move out of MetLife Stadium and get their own stadium? See, I think you asked the, that to the wrong guy because I'm a Jersey guy. I grew up in Jersey, so I love the fact that they play in MetLife Stadium. I love the fact it's uh, that close to where I grew up. You know, it's like a, I don't know, a half hour, 40 minutes from where I grew up. So I'm a big fan of it. So that's my ideal location. But if you're asking for the fan base, I think... I mean, look, objectively, and I would not be happy to see them move to move out of New Jersey because, again, I grew up in Jersey. But, I mean, I think the, the the central location of the fan base would be move back to Queens, put this, you know, if there was a spot where you could put it near City Field, put put a stadium near City Field where the Mets play in Queens, it'd be more accessible to Long Island fans, which is where a lot of the fan base is located. Um, you know, you, you're harking back to the Namath days, the days at Shea Stadium, that's where the team was located, you know, obviously the team used to train at Hofstra out on Long Island, which, you know, would be more accessible. You know, that's really probably the central location of the fan base because of where they were located. So I think I objectively, you'd say probably somewhere Queens, somewhere that area along, you know, where City Field is the Mets stadium. But if you're asking me personally, where's my ideal location? I think they're there right now. I, you know, you're, you're not going to convince a Jersey guy otherwise. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they'll work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew, again, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W, is prescribed online and ships right to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, if you visit BlueChew.com, again, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, you get your first shipment free when you use the promo code 
Locked On. You just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Next question from the Jets' lowly crop of edge rushers. Which one would surprise you least if he had a decent year rushing the quarterback? Boy, that's a good question. I mean, I think any of these guys might surprise me, but I would, I might go with Jenkins. Since you used the word decent, I'd go with Jenkins, Jordan Jenkins, because even though he's never, he's never going to make his money as a, as a big-time pass rusher, I view him as a guy who, you know, in a good year where things break right, where maybe, you know, catch a few breaks, you know, in the right place at the right time. I mean, I think he's a guy who could get six to eight sacks, you know, something along those lines. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to challenge for the league lead. I don't think anybody's ever going to confuse him for Von Miller. But I think Jordan Jenkins is the type of guy who, you know, could at least provide you with a viable you know, somebody who's at least viable, you know, who you at least have to respect. I, I do think he's, he's got the tool. I don't think he's going to be a 10 sack guy, but I think, you know, six to eight in a good year where things break right, I could see that happening. Next question Hall of Fame Canton, Joe Klecko. Will it ever happen? Martin, Riggins, Maynard, Namath, and Eubank. Not a long list by any stretch. Revis will be added, but is there any chance left for Joe Klecko? Well, yeah, he's, he's part of that senior committee thing, so, you know, he's not going to get in on the regular vote. I do think he'll get in eventually. I mean, I think, you know, you have a couple of things that hurt him. I think, you know, you know, one of his, you know, his really big year came before sacks were an official stat. So, you know, that hurts him a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have a guy who's a pro bowler at three positions. And what I would say, what I'll tell you is Jets fans need to speak up. You know, they need to make it clear. I, I go back, you know, you go back a decade and Art Monk was a guy who really struggled to get into the Hall of Fame, even though he was a worthy Hall of Famer. And I really think one of the things that turned the tide was, and this were this was kind of the early-ish days of fan forums on the internet, message boards, blogs were kind of in their infancy. But a lot of Washington fans, they, they raised the issue, you know, they, they raised awareness of the issue. And I think that they helped kind of turn the tide to get Ark Monk into the Hall of Fame, because I think writers took notice of that. So I think Jets fans just need to speak up. And I do think Klecko is eventually going to make it. I mean, I think he's a worthy Hall of Famer. There's there's no doubt about it. I mean, I would, my dad would never speak to me again if I said that Klecko does not, if I said Klecko is not a Hall of Famer, my dad would never speak to me again, because, you know, I, I, I'll go visit my dad, and he'll tell me, John, write an article about why Klecko should be in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's, out, it's an outrage. You know, he just goes on. If you ever want to get my dad fired up, talk about how Joe Klecko is not in the Hall of Fame. So I, I, you know, I do think it's going to happen, but I, I do think it's, I think something that could help is Jets fans, you know, raising their voices uh, about the player Klecko was and, you know, get writers to consider that, make writers take notice the way Washington fans did a decade ago with Art Monk. And it's something, you know, it's something that I've seen writers talk about how, you know, they didn't think Art Monk was a Hall of Famer. And it wasn't so much that Washington fans annoyed them. You know, it wasn't so much that just the fact that Washington fans made noise is that they made coherent points that writers, you know, picked up on and they reconsidered their position. A lot of the guys who thought Monk was not a Hall of Famer reconsidered their position after Washington fans made some very coherent points about why Monk really did belong in the Hall of Fame. So I think he'll get there eventually. I think he'll get there through the senior votes. You know, I don't know whether it's going to be next year. I don't know when it's going to be, but I mean, he's, he's a worthy Hall of Famer. I, I don't think there's any question about it. Next question, um, and this is, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to answer this one, but if today's NFL athletes grow up, grew up playing the other football, what would the U.S. World Cup team look like? You'd have Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Marcus Peters, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, Earl Thomas, Todd Gurley, Luke Keekley, Zeke Elliott, and Gronk. Um, 
And then what about an all-time NFL soccer team? One with Deion Sanders, Ed Reed, Revis, OJ, Gail Sayers, Barry Sanders, Bo Jackson, T.O., Megatron. Imagine those athletes playing soccer. And imagine mixing in NFL guys, Allen Iverson, LeBron, Kobe, Jordan, Durant. The sheer size, explosiveness, quickness, and skill of these guys. The U.S. would destroy the world if our top athletes played soccer. And, you know, that's not so much a question as it was a statement. But I, I agree. And, you know, you look at the U.S. It's one of the things that, you know, I, I, I've always I've thought the same thing, to be honest with you is you know if the u.s and others in most other countries all the great athletes play soccer and you know i think one of the reasons that the u.s has not been as great is that our top athletes aren't playing soccer and i think the tide's starting to turn a little bit as soccer gets more and more of a foothold in this country and i will tell you this like i'm not a big soccer guy but i've loved the world cup i mean the passion the fans have it's been and one of the things I've come to enjoy is, you know, I, I have, soccer can be kind of boring, but then out of nowhere, something very exciting happens. Great pass, you know, great connection. So, you know, I think as time goes on, you'll start to see more and more of the great U.S. athletes play soccer, and maybe we'll start to do a little bit better internationally. Here's an interesting question. Who is the David Harris replacement as team leader, steady influence? I don't see anyone. McCown maybe, but he may not even start. What I would say is you're looking for, I think at this point, what the Jets need is a new generation of leaders to step up. And I think there are two guys in particular, and they are the last two players the Jets have drafted in the first round. And you look at Jamal Adams last year, who in many, from in some, in some ways was kind of drafted for his leadership skills. You know, you talk about anybody around, you talk to anybody around USC, they tell you about what an incredible leader Adams was, about the intangibles he brought to that locker room. So I think, you know, he's the guy on defense who, and he's he's already you know you hear reports from the practice he's a very vocal guy he's you know constantly in the mix you know you constantly hear him so and he's a guy who you know comes with with the reputation of being a great locker room guy so I think on that side of the ball you're looking at Jamal Adams and look on the offensive side of the ball it has to be Sam Darnold and you know everybody's got their own preferred theory about how you groom a young quarterback do you play him right away do you not play him right away. The best thing for the Jets is Darnold to go in there, immediately take control of the huddle, immediately take control of the locker room, and become starting quarterback from week one. Now, I'm not saying he has to. I'm not saying he's going. I think he has to earn the starting job. He has to show you he's ready. But if he is, there's no reason to hold him back because the reason you drafted him was to be a franchise changer. So, you know, there's no. I, I think that those are the two guys on the offensive side of the ball. Your quarterback, you know, your franchise quarterback has to be the leader. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, that's part. It's not the entire reason you drafted Adams, certainly. You don't draft a guy sixth overall because of in purely because of intangibles, but it certainly helped. It's not, it's not usual. to. It's, unus, it's a little unusual to draft a safety sixth overall. And I think part of the reason the, the Jets did it was just because of what Adams brings to the table in terms of intangibles, in terms of leadership. And I think they're looking to add some of that to their team. And our last question... What's your favorite all-time Jets team? Is it 68, 69, 82, 83, 08, 09? Oh, that wouldn't be 08, 09. But, uh, you know, I wasn't around for the Namath years. I wasn't around for the Sack Exchange years. This is a very personal choice. I'd go 98 because, and the, the reason is because the first time I actually watched a good Jets team. It, you know, I grew up during the same old Jets days with Coslett and Pete Carroll and Kotite. And, you know, it was not a fun team to root for when you're a kid. I mean, the only thing that the only thing that saved you was the Giants were the Giants weren't as bad. But they were pretty awful, so you didn't 
really get a t- there was some trash talk. I mean, it wasn't easy to grow up as a Jets fan, but the Giants being almost as bad made it a little easier. But I mean, that was just the first Jets team that you know, first Jets team I watched that was any good. And I mean, they became a machine. And I'll tell you, I mean, they should have gone to the Super Bowl. They should have won that game in Denver. That game, they had that control of the game up ten nothing in the third quarter. Then Denver scores the touchdown. Then you have the the muffed kickoff. Oh God. Pains me to even think about it these days, but still a f- really fun season, incredible year. Um, and, you know, if maybe if any hadn't gone down in 99, things would be a little different. Maybe I'd say 99, but I think 98, you know, I always have special memories as a kid watching you know, the Jets actually be good for the first time. And when they got rolling, they were, I mean, that team became a machine. And, like, you know, you, you, need, you need to be good and you need to be lucky. And they were a little, a little lucky. They had that game in Se- against Seattle that, you know, probably helped contribute to the NFL bringing back instant replay when Vinny was stopped short of the goal line on fourth and goal, but they called it a touchdown and they did not have a review system in place. There was no replay. So touchdown stood and the Jets won. So, you know, lots of good memories in 98. Uh, so that's my answer. Thanks for listening today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe on either iTunes or Spotify and leave the show a good review in iTunes if you do enjoy it. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back again next time. Can't wait to talk more Jets with you.